also going to take off my socks. I don't know why, but I do not cope well with heat. That's and, so fine. Most people don't. And, and Nothing to be ashamed of. No, no. Sorry. Just you being stuck in like really hot climates. Oh, yeah. You're just yeah. like, this is so hot. And I'm like, this is like beautiful. <laughs> you're like, just really weather. calm. Yeah. You're, yeah. you know, you're literally 10 minutes ago, you were describing the breeze off your skin and going, oh, this is amazing. Yeah. Um, here's it's me just, just like nice. perspiring. <laughs> like I'm a puddle on the floor. Just going, mm, like I can feel, <laughs> I, you know, if it rains, I feel the rain on me, but no where else because i know it the sky is dry <laughs> if that is a visual image okay yeah i was like wait what <laughs> it took me a minute to, to get there and then i did that actually happened to me when i was at the farms i was fixing machinery and yeah. i was like leaning over this piece of equipment that like yeah. you shouldn't get wet and then i like saw drips going down onto it and i was like oh my god is there a leak in the ceiling like what's going on and i look i'm looking up and i was like oh it's just coming off my face <laughs> Just like, just just drips of sweat. So that's why I'm quite chill right now. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Pun <now> intended. The, <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I just also like that everyone in the first like minute and a half has learnt our bodily fluids. <laughs> <laughs> We're just talking about sweat straight up. It's like the most unappealing thing. But look, Rachel and I sweat. <laughs> we are human beings. <laughs> we are human beings. <laughs> It's normal. It's fine. Everyone does it. it. <laughs> Actually, some people don't. And yeah, that's I know. a medical condition. <laughs> and what do they roll around? I shouldn't make fun of them because, like, I just imagine what pigs do. And I was like, when did that? No, terminal. You know what pigs, like, because they don't have sweat glands, they just roll around in mud. Yeah. So I automatically just thought people did that to cool down. Yeah. I mean, I guess they just go swimming. I guess, like, you just. Like, I guess. But how did. That- how? But what? They can't always go swimming. No, I know. Do you just sit in the aircon constantly to keep yourself cool? Do you become like a reptile? I like, mean, like surely there's there's like little tablets and things that they can take. I don't know. That's like that is something to something to Google. Yes. <laughs> something. If you to- want a long late night and you're stuck at home, please Google this because we're intrigued. This is recorded a while before it comes out. But this is two a.m. Shower thoughts. <laughs> Brought to you by Rachel and Martin. (laughs) (laughs) These are the Things We Do podcast, a podcast about film, life, television, culture, mental health, and all of that fun, jazzy stuff. Today, I've got my special guest and friend, Rachel Giddens. Hi. Hello. (laughs) How are you going? Good. How are you? Pretty good. Pretty good. Thanks. (laughs) We're after a crack and stuff. So many, so many weird ass jokes are going to come our way. Um, <laughs> That's always the best. I know, right? So, Rachel, where did the wonderful world of everything start for you? Where, like, explain pe- to people of your ears who you are and what you do. Great. Every actor's favorite question. Um, <laughs> no, I, I, like, where did it start? Like, why did I become an actor or like, how, just, how did just, it happen? Just your general birth to just, death. Well, it was July 29th. No, <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I, like I first, I've always been obsessed with movies. Yeah. So you know how at like sleepovers and stuff, you, ha- you have movies and stuff and all your friends like chatting through the movies and things. I would always get really annoyed at that because I was watching the movie. I'm glo- so glad you said that because I was like, same? if you, yeah, I literally, 
unless it's my partner, which she can get away with because we talk in, with movies. If it's anyone else, I will murder them. Oh, yeah, slowly. totally. I, like, once stopped going out with a guy because <laughs> I was, like, <laughs> went to the movies with him and it was Black Panther. Oh. And we went to the movies and he would not stop trying to, like, touch me and kiss me during the movie. And I was like, mate, no. I've been saying to you for, like, the week that I'm really excited about this. I'm watching the movie. Go away and get off me. Like, anyway, we didn't go out again after that. Um, but I was always the kid who, like, I needed to finish the movie. I would stay up after everyone had gone to sleep to yeah. finish watching the movie. And when I would, like, come home from school, I'd watch movies. And my dad would always be like, you know, you're never going to get a job just watching movies. And that was really funny when I called him when I was at BBC and I was watching movies and tv shows because i was finding snippets for the promo producers to put into the trailers yeah. and i called him and i was like guess what i'm doing <laughs> getting paid to watch tv <laughs> anyway <laughs> and your dad was like damn it fuck, <laughs> fuck. uh okay yeah. did not expect that yeah <laughs> i was trying to prove her wrong all these years totally, and totally. it didn't work yeah um Wow, so so you were a nerd, basically, from a young age. Yes, Martin, I was a nerd. I was definitely the type of person who would bring Harry Potter posters on holiday with me, for sure. Put them up in my hotel room. Yeah, <laughs> not my just personal hotel room, my my little room within, I, the, uh, <laughs> within the family hotel room. Can I just say, if you went in there as like a six-year-old with Harry Potter posters and just went, this is my room, I would 100% <laughs> believe that. And just yell at the hotel owners going, no, no, you don't get to put anyone else in my room. How dare you? It was like, that is the child. Yeah, I'm just coming in there with my, I actually didn't, I, I had posters and like I made a Marauder's Map, which was like an early hint to me kind of being a very creative artistic person. Yeah. Uh, and also a very nerdy person, but that's how I spin it. But like the nerd and the creativity go hand in hand, I feel. <laughs> Because you are an artist as well. You are you. Yeah. You've done painting. Well, you've done murals and stuff. Um, and you've done painting. Yes. Um, but that is a side that I guess not as many people know about. Like, I, mean, I don't know. Because because it, it definitely advertises the actor side. Yeah, totally. But I'm trying to marry the two because so when I was younger, I was often told that I'm I'm too many things and I'm too much, which is now my favorite thing because I'm just like, yeah, I'm too much. It's <laughs> great. This is great. Of course I am. Like, how else should I be? Yeah. Um, it's been fantastic that like in mainstream media, now women are just like, fuck you, yeah, I'm too much. But are we allowed to swear on Yes, cool, we are. Great, yeah. Good. I I've been swearing like no stop. So, okay, yeah. cool. I was just like, oh, that's my first F bomb. Um many more to come. <laughs> uh <laughs> yes, good. But yeah, I was always told like to kind of separate all the things that I did. Yeah. Because I, I needed to be known as like one thing. And yeah. then as I grew into myself through my 20s, I was like, nah, screw this. I'm just going to be all my things and people can just appreciate that rather than having it like, oh, Rachel Giddens, that's my acting thing. And then Rana is my artist name. And then I am RG photography for headshots and stuff <laughs> and for brands, like just too many things. Yeah. So it got very overwhelming and now I just have like the one name. <laughs> Rachel Giddens, and if you type it into Google, you come up with like acting, artwork. There's a little bit of photography thrown in there for fun, filmmaking. <laughs> that's it. Like, because yeah. yeah, you're like a bundled up package. Um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm like an all in one, like a buy one get five sale. <laughs> <laughs> Don't advertise that too loud, because <laughs> that is a very good discount. 
<laughs> I yeah. Well, I mean, I'm an actor. Like half the time, I am. Yeah, I there's mad discounts. It's it's interesting as well because do you think like it? it but first and foremost, you would say you're an actor. Yeah. But then everything else is kind of like secondary or just add-ons. Is I that mean, how you put it? Not particularly. I mean, I acting is kind of the thing that if I could just make an income from acting, like that is my goal Yeah. in life is to, to just make an income from acting and sustain myself and to have a really fruitful career as an actor yeah. with lots of longevity. But in saying that, I love film and I like, I love writing and I love producing. Yeah. Not for other people, but just Just, like, just for myself. <laughs> but like, I love production and I love writing and then that's the film aspect. And I also find for me as a really creative person, because I can't be acting all the time, I need another outlet, Yeah, which is where art came from. And then it just so happens that people want to pay for my art. And that's been really, really good for me to sustain, yeah. you know, rent payments. Um, by doing artwork as well. And then same thing with all this other stuff. Like I find through my photography, I get to meet all of these amazing other actors doing headshots for them. And, yeah. You know, similar to what you would have with the podcast, like meeting all these great people in the industry and making those connections. That's what I get with photography. Yeah. So I kind of love it all. Um, yeah. But first and foremost, I'm definitely an actor. But what like my profession is kind of changes with yeah. whatever I'm getting paid for at the moment. A hundred percent. And I totally agree with that because like I think first, well, first and foremost, I'm a technician and that is my primary paid income. Mm. But then, yeah, it's like the weird, as you say, yeah, this weird world where everything else is like, if you're being paid for this, I'm a photographer. If I'm being paid for this, mm. like I'm, you know, an editor. So it's, I've done a whole lot of different things. Um, but yeah, it's, it's very weird because I don't, I, I never liked the, um, it's like when you do a CV mm. and everyone tells you to do a CV a certain way and you ask about five friends who don't work in the creative field, stupidly, um, <laughs> who have a normal careers, um, smart What's like. It like, yeah, I know. <laughs> What's a nine to five? Um, and then you send them your CV, and they get very like they're like, oh, please cut this, mm. oh, move this, don't add this. But really, a CV for a creative is everything. Yeah, and it's so hard because you know corporate world doesn't see it like that. They see it as money, dollars. You know, like it's yeah. it's very it's interesting because. As creatives, we've got it. We're not very business centric people, but we've got to play a business. Yeah, you've and, got to sell yourself. Yeah, and I hate that. Which is that. really interesting. I've learned to roll with it. <laughs> <laughs> like seriously, I because I, I totally understand what you're saying because yeah. I had that issue because when people ask me for my CV, I'm like, well, which which one do you want? Do you want the artwork one? Do you want the photography yeah. one? Do you want the acting one? Do you want the film one? Do you want product? What what do you want? But again, I've just learned like you know what I'm a I kind of package deal. I'll cater each CV to whoever I'm sending it to. But for the most part, I kind of just go like, here it is. And yeah. I've also learned that the amount of times I've cut things out or catered things for a specific company has yeah. then led to a job that I didn't want or didn't like. Yeah. Whereas if I just kind of went in going, this is what I'm offering. This is who I am. It's all there for you. If they say no to me, then I wasn't supposed to be there anyway. Yeah. But then if they go, oh, yeah, fuck, yeah, this is cool. I like this. Like all of this. Oh, my God, you do this as well? Like I was doing a mural job once and then the CEO found out that I do headshots. So she was like, oh, can you do my headshots? And I was like, yeah, great. So then that's another job within that job. Yeah. And then that same CEO like let us use her office space for the recent show that I did. 
like because she's amazing and that's just how all those things happen but that's the kind of environment that I like to work in yeah and I've figured that you know if I'm just myself whenever I put anything out there I'm going to attract people who have that kind of ethos and yeah it's like really fun and I make all these great connections and good things come from it but that's that's being true your true self versus like I know it's terrifying (laughs) (laughs) well I mean like yeah with all that like there's this weird selling point on on the internet which I really hate which is like be your true self but then they don't want you to be your true self and I'm like well <laughs> I'm just going to be my true self but then the but not thing, too much but not too much yeah. but you know like I don't like th- I think this this is the way society well I mean like because of the shift in in movements and everything, like mm. we've we've had a huge step to um forward with the Me Too movement and everything. Yeah. But I do think that that has then um created two steps back, which is interesting because it means that people are then accountable for all these actions, which you know, like Joss Whedon and stuff, yeah. which is fucking asshole. Um, <laughs> he is, and I cannot like. I can't watch Buffy anymore. I can't. I can't. <laughs> just sad days. I know. So many things are ruined. Um, I just also realized that, you know, you read all the stories and realize he just never was a good person. Like, mm-hmm. you just kind of learn that from people. But I do think that now it gives people the reason, the caution to not learn from their mistakes or mm. not be allowed to learn from their mistakes, that which is the danger. of cancel culture. Yeah. Because yeah. it's like the other side of the thing is, and, you know, whether you identify as male or... um uh however you identify if if you are a peer society as a male mm. you are much more heavily criticized for any action yeah. that is deemed inappropriate by a you know mass audience or yeah. which isn't intentional but i do think that that then makes most male artists have to p- almost put themselves on a back foot and go mm. careful what they release if or careful what they sort of promote about totally. themselves which is kind of like censoring yourself yeah um because it's a fine line like i feel like it it's is. definitely a fine line with male artists um just as it is a fine line with non-binary or female yeah. like because these days definitely whatever kind of personality you put there out on the internet and everything you're kind of showing like what you stand for. Yeah. And then people will either like that or they won't on both sides. Yeah. And you kind of just need to either decide like, cause I mean, I know that there are a lot of things I believe in that I stand for that I don't really publicize, not because I think that they're wrong or I'm like embarrassed about them, but just because I'm like, I'll do it if I want to, but I don't see a point in it right now. And it's not like I'm some kind of mighty influencer that has a massive reach or something. Like I'll just, you know, <laughs> what are you say talking about? All those I 100 <laughs> million Instagram followers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So many Instagram followers. <laughs> oh, yeah. But like, do you know what I mean? I kind of. I I don't think that every single part of people's selves need to be out there for no. everyone to criticize and to judge because cancel culture is very intense at the moment. At the same time, yeah, I don't know. It's it's, it's well and a tricky navigation. Yeah, I think for for everyone. I I think it's just you know there's a lot of shock value and there's a lot more. Like I was you know completely kind of weirdly almost off topic, but it is part of the same thought process. Mm. I was watching this series on Netflix called Haunted and it ha- it's about people's encounters with paranormal or, mm-hmm. um, you know, whether you believe in paranormal or anything, but they were having these documentaries. And the thing was, it was divided with reenactments 
mm. and the documentary side. And what I found really interesting was some of them were just obtusely violent. Obtusely violent. Wait, the the the, 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 the rena- No, the reenactments. Or, oh, the reenactments. <laughs> like the, the ghosts were obtusely violent. <laughs> I was uh, like, how does that work? No, like one episode was about a serial killer. Yeah. And I was just like, okay, well, that's fine. But I don't need to see this person kill people. Like yeah. I don't need that part of the reenactment. I yeah. can kind of allude to it, but you don't need to see it. And then there's all this sort of like, I don't know, there's a part of actors and stuff there was a lot of nudity in as well in it which i was like oh like is it nudity because it needs to be or like is there a reason for it there was no reason for the sake of nudity. it was nudity for the sake of nudity (laughs) (laughs) and i'm all like i feel like they're following the lines of hbo which tend to have more Uh, nudity for the sake of nudity than actually any warranted oh my god the shock value of euphoria season two right now have you started watching it no (gasps) mate it's just like that that like, I kind of love what they're doing at the same time. I'm like, wow, you guys are like, you just, you just want to fuck with people. That's what they're <laughs> out there to do. They just want to like, they just want to have like as much shock stuff going on, which is kind of fun. And obviously Euphoria is known for that anyway. Yeah. But yeah. There's definitely a lot of shock value going on. A lot of nudity for the sake of nudity, but also nudity making a stance. <laughs> <laughs> which I mean, is good. Yeah. Um, like, I, I mean, I don't think Game of Thrones did that, no. but uh, it was it was written by someone who still hasn't finished his own series, yeah. even though the the show has completely moved on. Totally. Um, and I think that I I do think that we are far beyond that ten year gap, which is when that shows like that started and popularized a whole bunch of like just actors getting their kid off yeah. on screen for no other apparent reason than there was just a mass multitude of shock value. Yeah. Um. And now I think we're at this weird in-between ground where nothing, you know, we obviously don't want to go back to the world where no nudity or no violence was there, Mm. but we do want to kind of go when it's justified and it's just as an, as a performer, when does that become a safe set when you suddenly got like ex people who, or, and still people in the industry who were like those, um, you know, Harvey Weinsteins and, and Craig McLaughlin's and all these people out there who are actually causing people harm and saying they never did anything to anyone when actually there's a whole list of evidence proving yeah. otherwise. Um, like, how does that make people feel safe in this industry? Yeah, totally. Um, like, how does that make you as an artist as well when you're sort of writing your own stuff and trying to make sure it sort of, like, appeals to you? Yeah. And But, but also not, like completely going okay well how do i you know completely how do, I do this t- how do i do this without tipping the cancel culture on me or you know making a stance on my own ideas and my own thoughts yeah i mean honestly like i'll just come back to what i said before which is like i kind of figured out during the first you know 2020 that first lockdown that first pandemic when it first hit i'm I, i'm gonna make the joke that it hasn't left <laughs> i know when it first hit and we're still going through it feels like yesterday um no but when that like through march through to i think like july or august or whatever um i was doing like intense therapy and like Mm. just i mean i was actually towards the end of 2019 anyway because i had some shit going down with my mental health and i was like i need to address this yeah um so i was doing some really intense therapy and then during that lockdown obviously when everything shut down it just gave me even more cause to like jump on a call once a week which was great but what i came to it and what i keep coming back to every time i find whenever i like feel like I'm losing myself is I just need to be myself and I know that I have a really strong belief system a strong upbringing like a strong support system and good morals but I also know that I like to like 
you know, fuck things up every now and then just <laughs> just to see what will happen. And, yeah. like, I don't like being in the same place. I don't like doing the same thing all the time because then I feel like I just get stagnant. If anyone has, like, that Sydney lockdown last year, my two roommates, oh, legends, because if anyone has ever seen me stagnant, I become, like, a kind of just just hermit shell of emotion. <laughs> and it's just, like, it's just all there. And I just deal with it <laughs> and it's not pretty. I need to be out and about and exploring things and doing things. So to answer your question, when that first lockdown happened, I was exper- like I was exploring all those sides of things and I was also mm. writing the web series that I um, filmed at the beginning of last year, Flawsome. Mm. So I was writing that and as I was writing it, I was writing all of these outrageous things that the character that I would be playing would be doing. And I definitely had moments where I was like, Am I okay to do this? Am I okay to play this scene? Do I believe in this? Do I believe in this for the other actor to say? Yeah. Do I, like, what point am I making? Um, but I just had to keep coming back to it and and making sure that I was making points that I really strongly believed in and also really strongly researched. So yes. researched and made sure that I had, like, a backing to back myself up when I made that certain statement and things like that and and the whole kind of point of view on it because to go back to you know what you were saying about nudity for the sake of nudity Mm. I always find that us as an audience and also the filmmakers people on set actors we can always fucking tell we can always tell when it's not like from the heart and it's not real yeah you know like if you're watching a movie and then all of a sudden there's like this random naked scene you're just like wait what the fuck and it takes you out of it yeah then you just know that Something happened there where someone was like, fuck, we just need to sell this movie. Let's get sex in it, you know, or like, but then if you're watching a movie and there's like nudity in it or something's happening, that's like a little bit intense, but it's so supposed to be there. Yeah. Like that, that's when you're like, oh yeah, I, I connect with that. And that needs to be there to push the story along Yeah, for me as an audience member to, to know that that's justified. Yeah. So that's what I kept coming back to. And that's what I always come back to as a performer. And when I was younger, like, I'm really lucky I never had any situations where I felt super uncomfortable. Or actually, that's a lie. I did have one um, where it was an audition and I had to just, like, make out with this guy I'd just met for oh, the wow. audition. Yeah. And it was, like, a full-on, like, makeup against the wall scene and everything. He fills me up, all that kind of stuff. And, yeah, this was in 2013 or 14 as well. So it was before the Me Too movement. Wow. And I'd just come to Sydney. And I remember that audition just feeling so uncomfortable. That's uh, intense. Yeah, that's fucked. But anyway, so now I've had those I've had those experiences and like, you know, I had to I was doing a short film like a year or two ago or something and there was a scene in it that was very artistic and everything and I'm like, you know, lying on the ground basically naked, like smoke going everywhere and whatever whatever. Um and it was like, you know, everyone on set was super super lovely and everything, but I was like, okay, here's how this is going to be done. I'm going to have this robe. Someone's going to put it on me between takes, blah, blah, blah. Like I just yeah. kind of laid out the ground rules, which I think is really important for performers to kind of 100%, yeah. assert with themselves. Yeah. And also for young performers, because I've seen young performers, not in terms of that kind of stuff, but, you know, I was on one film with this guy and he was, I think, 14 or 13 or something. And he's wearing a three-piece tweed suit in the middle of summer. And he kept just being like, oh, no, no, I'm good. And I could see that he was like sweating like crazy. And I was like, this kid needs to go in the shade and have so much more water. Yeah. You know, speak up when you're a performer. And I know that that's sometimes hard, but. I think it's also like um, there's not really a sense. 
it comes down to just understanding and and like being of aware mm. of people's needs. Yeah. Um. Like, I think also, yeah. There's a huge assumption that, like, when you <laughs> to make a comfortable set, you've got to be very like approachable, and yeah. you've got to be like having that. F- like relationship with your cast and you know, like the crew and everyone to make sure um, that everyone feels safe. Mm. And that doesn't always happen. Like some people are just like, Ugh. you know, like I definitely, I remember um, getting a scene, um, you know, from a friend and they did have a sex scene in it and it wasn't like anything, you know, too dramatic or anything. And I asked him how he wanted to film it and it was mm. like all silhouetted and everything it was you know, it was like, I don't want it to be like a big thing. I want it to be very passing. It was meant to be like a, a montage of someone's sort of last day. And was with... this, this was something you directed? No, no, no. It was something I was going to produce. And then we, oh, we, okay. di- we didn't end up making it. It's, it it's, he still wants to, but he sort of like dropped out of the film industry and yeah. decided to do other things for a bit. But I remember talking to one of my friends who was a producer and saying, what would be the guidelines? Like, what would be the smartest mm. way to approach this? And she said just, write everything in in the contract Definitely. write every description in the contract yep. that's going to happen everything you can think of um <laughs> and it just and i just say that to everyone it's like lay it out lay out what's going to happen and then when they sign it and you've both agreed upon it it's all fine exactly um but because you know. things need to be in writing this is why i'm such a big fan of contracts this is my production side coming through yeah i love it i oh love it i love it i love it because every time i think i've agreed on something with someone no matter whether it's in my art industry as an actor as a producer photography whatever i send through the contract they go wait what's this no i don't agree to that i'm like this is why we do contracts because you can have a discussion with someone you can both think you're on the same page but until it's in writing and they've understood it and they've signed yeah. it like it needs to it needs to be laid out and especially with that kind of stuff because then it's a great way for you both to just know that you're in the comfort zone 100 percent. you know what's interesting as well when i I originally didn't have contracts for this podcast because because it obviously started with friends and so you kind of had this un like a trust between everyone and then i was like okay well i've got to get to the point where one of my guests had actually asked for a contract i was like fuck i don't have one um all right (laughs) Go back to some old contracts that I remember writing and then I had to sit for about a week plotting it out mm. and then I emailed to them and they were like, oh, can you change this, this and this? This is what I'd feel comfortable with. And I was like, okay, cool, done, done, done. And then eventually that's how it sort of shaped up to what it is now. But it was interesting because there was a clause in it originally, um, you know, because originally I could just release the interview. I was like, no one gave a shit. Yeah. Um, but now I have to send a copy prior to release to the guest, and they can request anything to be removed. And n- I kid you not, 99% of the time, no one realizes that, that when they sign the contract and they send it back. I signed the, like, I because I sent it to you before I came, right? Yeah. And I was reading and I was like, fuck, this is a good contract. <laughs> Just as someone who has written a fair few contracts <clears throat> myself, I was looking over it and I was like, I love that. Oh, I love that. Oh, that's so considerate. Like, it was so <laughs> nice. I was reading it like, I like this contract. It oh, made me feel you. so comfortable coming into this. Thank you. I mean, like, it's so funny because, yeah, like, 99%. Of it, <laughs> they don't know that? No, they don't. And then they get here and they're just like, I'm like, what did you sign? And they're like, oh, I just kind of signed it. I'm like, oh, okay, no. but never just sign something. Oh, if I can have a PSA for any actors <laughs> listening to this, it's never sign anything without reading it and then getting a friend who is a producer or someone who knows that world to also read it. Yeah, I know. Like, honestly, I mean, I have the best manager now and she has my back and, like, we 
I just know that when I have contracts, if I send them to her, like she's she's got my back and we'll both kind of read it with a really critical eye. And same with another producer friend of mine. Yeah. Like I'm all about that contract life. But it, <laughs> I just love how critical you as a, as a person. You're like, nah, this has got to be done a certain way and that's it. <laughs> I think it's experience, but also mixed with like, you know, I think we were saying earlier, um, business savvy and stuff among creatives. Yeah. It's like not, you know, it's it's gets common as people go through their careers and stuff. Yeah, but I've it, always had a little bit of an affinity to being business. Yeah, you know, the, well, I think it's also sure. like it's it's definitely the personality vibe. Um, you know, some uh, I had to learn how to be business. Mm. Mine didn't come naturally. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's so what interesting. <laughs> I I cracked one day. But I think it's also interesting because I talk I talk all the time um, to my partner Emily about it. And and one of the things that she says, she's like, a lot of people say you very professional i'm like mm. do they fuck me like why i know i think you have the right vibe of you're a professional but you're also like casual and warm yeah which i think is a really good way to be as a podcast presenter thank you you're welcome um <laughs> but it's like hook line yeah, yeah. Sinker <laughs> like, right there. you're welcome babe thanks um, um but like yeah having that you know the the mix between the two because then you can like have a good conversation with someone then they'll be like yeah. oh by the way this section of the contract you're like great let's discuss it yeah but i mean like I think that comes down to the producing side and everything mm. because I, I've definitely like I've produced content before and I've produced like all sorts of different things, but it, it, it definitely comes down to just working with people and understanding and also doing research. Like it just comes down to watching enough behind the scenes documentaries where you see where things have gone wrong in the yeah. production and why they talk about why they've gone wrong. Yeah. And not enough people do that. They just no. assume that this is glam and glitter life yeah. um, <laughs> where, you know, we kind of make ends meet. Totally. Um, yeah, and, and contracts are not one of them. They don't they, – and they actually think it's unnecessary paperwork. Really? Which is just so baffling to me. Oh, my God. Uh, yeah, ask anyone. I'm obsessed. I'm obsessed with contracts. And I also, like, <laughs> this is such, like, the producery nerd part of me, but whenever <laughs> I get a contract as an actor, I just have no shame in going back and being like, I want to change this, 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 and this. And, like, people are like, oh, my God, but don't you think that they'll, like, kick you off? And I'm like, no, like, contracts are supposed to be a negotiation. Yeah, they're You not- know, like, if I don't agree with something and I don't want it, I mean, sure, like, you know, sometimes I'll, I'll just be like, you know what, that's fine. Like, I don't really care about that. But if it's yeah. something that I'm really, you know. If you're into, yeah, yeah, yeah. then you know it's just it's a negotiation game. (laughs) I mean, uh, then there is a lot of the time though that people don't sign contracts, or they send. Or my favorite one is they send their own contract to you, and I'm just like, this is not the contract I sent you. I've had that as a producer, actors sending me contracts for my show. Yeah, and I was like, no, no. That's not how a contract works. Yeah, I'm not going to read your contract when I'm the one hiring you. Yeah. Like, no, you read my contract and then you tell me if you want me to change anything. <laughs> what? I know. I've had it so many times on, like, um, shorts that I've done and everything and they just get very, like, they send you a contract and you're like, uh-huh. Or they dispute it. Like, they just go, oh, um, oh no, you, you have mine. Yeah. And it's like, oh, no, you haven't signed mine, though. I need <laughs> you to do that. I am not adjusting. Yeah, so it's it's interesting to, like... Navigate this part of the industry. Well, I just think it, it comes down to so many different people mm. and the fact that we're all creatives and mm. we all want intellectual property of our own. Like, we yeah. want to own our own creative material. Yeah. But... That's kind of hard. 
especially mm. when it's sort of like a collaborative forum of things because I always find that when you go, okay, well, the production company um, owns the the product, but so does these people. Yeah. But you need to also let us know when you use it so that we can just keep an eye on it. Yeah. And it's not being used for anything that would damage us. Totally. Uh, but then people don't understand that. Yeah. They just go, oh, what do you mean? Like, I can just use it on whatever. And I'm like, no. It's a full-on juggling act for yeah. sure. Yeah. And, yeah, because, you know, it could end up on, like, independent sites that, you know, you promote, like, anything um, and to do with, like, Nazis or, you know, I was just going on a limb. <laughs> and the first thing I thought was Nazis. <laughs> Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh, interesting. Let's deep, let's unpack that. Yeah, it's like, so So this is therapy session now. <laughs> but no, it, like, in all seriousness, it, do, it it is weird because I do think that people underestimate that side of the, the, yeah. the like, the contract idea and why people want to make sure that the, the creative thing that they've all made together isn't going to be used for something. Totally. And I think, like, you know, as an actor or just anyone in the film industry, having a really good understanding of contracts, but especially as an actor, because I know so many actors are like, I'm about the craft. I'm like, that's great. But you also need to know what this means. Like, you, I, I just think that people should really, yeah, get into reading their contracts and understanding what they're signing and then having respect for it as well, because I yeah. know for as someone who creates things and stuff, or like even as an artist, like when I put my artwork out there and things, and then I see pieces that are very similar to it, and I'm like, I mean, look, as an artist, I know that there's nothing new anymore. We're all just recreating things over and over and over again, and like that's that's just how it is. But also, like I know that you follow me on Instagram and saw oh, yeah. that piece, and hmm. So yeah, I think <laughs> it's really interesting uh, just as a creative, like making sure that we're all on the same wavelength about those things. But yeah. again, a tricky part of the industry to navigate. And yeah, I always like to have like really, really frank, open discussions with people about that stuff. Yeah, this cut through the bullshit kind yeah. of thing. I think uh, people though are afraid to cut through. Yes. Um, and I think that's something you learn. Mm. Um, like, do you think people like are afraid to kind of like, I don't know, because I've also realized that I don't care if I look dumb. Like, I don't, know. If I go and I'm asking about something, I'm like, wait, what does this mean? But do you think that some people may sometimes, like, don't want to appear that way? Or, like, do you think that they're scared to kind of do the negotiation because they don't know what they actually want instead of this? I don't I th- know. I think a lot of it is, is people don't know what they want. And I think sometimes it's they don't know what they're asking for. Mm. So they're afraid to ask. Yeah. And they're like, oh, yeah, that's fine. And then they get later and they're like, oh. oh fuck. fuck <laughs> I signed that. Um, no, I disagree with it. And I, I don't want to do it anymore. And that's. That unfortunately is the biggest get out of jail. Yeah. It's it's one thing that actually plays a lot in the independent industry, which is just people sign stuff, they're very eager for it, then they go, nah, it's, nah, it's, it's I don't feel comfortable doing it anymore, so bye. Yeah. And it's like, that's all well and good, but it doesn't make you look professional when you've had all these discussions with people, you've signed a contract, and then you've just, you know, and whether or not it's paid or not, is by the by, it's you've signed something, you've agreed upon it, and then you've kind of made everyone waste their time. Yeah, it's the wasting time that I can't stand. Like it's, yeah. it's especially in this industry, time is so precious. Oh, it is. Oh, it's like drilled into our brains. As yeah. soon as we go to like film school, it's just like everything costs money. <laughs> and it's like, and I just, I just tell people that's like, okay, well, how much this, um, you know, how much is this going to cost? I'm like, okay, well, just 
what are you thinking this budget's going to be? Okay, triple that. Like, it's yeah. insane what people tell me. And then they go, oh, but that's really expensive. I'm like, yes, it is. Because that is realistically what it's going to cost. Yeah. And that's without paying anyone. <laughs> like, that's the cheap end. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, I, you know, I've done bits and pieces. And I think one of the biggest shoots for a day um, has like in the cheap side has cost me twenty two thousand, which is pretty decent chunk. Yeah, but still, that is on the smaller end. Isn't it so crazy? Because like in normal people speak, twenty two thousand, it's like whoa, that's so much. And then in film speak, you're like, oh cool, so you like hired a grip. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah, like you 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 hired like two people yeah. for production. You know, it's yeah, so expensive. It's it's like uh, you know, I calculated all the short films that I realistically should have you know, paid everyone at full rates. Wow. And it just like ends up being like hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars. Yeah, easily. It's, ju- it's just the, and this is why unions are great and why everything, you know, and things are individually great because it means that people aren't just used for their craft. But I think there's also like, as an independent artist, it's very funny as well because when I pay people or I have, you know, I can't pay people sometimes, I ask massive favors of them and I make yeah. sure they like the project they're going Same. into because it's not fair on artists. And I make sure that they're fed really well. How? <laughs> I've got so many issues with the people that don't fucking feed oh people. Oh my God. Okay. <laughs> so like, it's like the biggest thing for me is like, I need to make sure that people have food and water, like copious amounts. It is the most important thing on set. I remember all the sets where I was pe- like, where I was eating the best food. Yes. Because, it's like it's kind of like that theme of like happy wife, happy life. Okay, yeah. fed crew, happy crew. Yeah. <laughs> Every time, especially like yeah, especially all the guys who have you know gotten up at five a.m. to get to set by six, mm. and they've set everything up for an hour and a half, and then the actors stroll in, and I have been one of those actors, and I've also been the people setting shit up. Yeah. And like if everyone's had breakfast and they've had coffee, ah, oh, you're sweet, you're good to go. Yeah, yeah. It's it's, it's not so hard. important. So it's, important. I think it's one of the things that I, you know, I one of my favorite people. Um, every time I've worked with her, she always comes back. But it's just one of those things that we have such respect for each other and just how hard we work. Mm. And that is that every time she comes to set, she's like being fed. Um, I've made sure she's being kept taken care of like everyone oh, else. And it's awesome. just like it's very easy because, you know, I like working with people who aren't high maintenance. <laughs> so they're very independent and they can do their own thing. But you, you know, one thing is have good food, have good coffee, yeah, tea, water, your whole supplies, fruit if you can. And then I've been on sets where it's literally like none of that and I've mm. just gotten – they're like, oh, yeah, it, well, it's after dinner time, so we're not going to feed you. And I'm like, it doesn't matter. I've come from a day's work and I'm coming here unpaid. Yeah. So regardless, you're going to feed me. Yeah. Like you are going to go and buy me some food <laughs> and feed me. Also, uh, I'm Italian, so it's like in my nature. <laughs> like I like walk around on set being like, is everyone okay? Are you all full? <laughs> like, <laughs> I, should tell you, I should tell you a story. I lived once in Leichhardt above these um, two lovely Italian I already writers. know I'm going to love this story. Yeah. And I went past and, you know, and this is when I was about oh, 23 mm-hmm. and skinny as a rake and <laughs> walked down the stairs and uh, like had, I had pink and blue and 
purple hair and they all thought that was really interesting and unique. Oh, yeah. Um, because they were in their 70s and they were just like very individual. And oh, I was like, yeah. thank you. Don't you love how they always try and be polite about it, but yeah. they're also like half kind of criticizing yeah. you at the same time. They're just like, it's unique. And you're like, what? Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then And then they were just like, would you like to come in and have some pasta? Would you like to be fed? And I was <laughs> trying like, to fat you up. Yeah. <laughs> they were like, you're too skinny. Like, oh, you know, man. eat. Yeah. Um, My family's super cliche. I have family over in Chilano in Italy, oh. um, which is just two hours inland from Rome. And uh, they have a restaurant. They're all chefs. <laughs> Okay, not. so that's the best kind of family. <laughs> oh, it's the best cliche ever. I love it. Um, um, and is every any of them a plumber? Like, <laughs> no, <laughs> no. But they're all in the food industry. So, but every time I go, I like you know, I'll, I'll travel for a little bit, and I won't like, I'll be eating really like delicious food, but I won't really put on any weight or whatever. And then as soon as I go there's for like, I'll be there for three days. I'll put on five kilos easy yeah. because what will happen is I'll walk in. And, like, they don't even make any comment about my weight or anything. They'll just put food in front of me. And then it'll just be, like, copious amounts of food. And every time it's, like, delicious. Like, it's the best food I've ever had in my life. Just want to make that clear. But I do get, like, uncomfortably full. And then I start feeling sick. But it's so good that I can't stop. Right. And then I just keep eating. And then if I stop eating, they go, but why? But what? Like you, don't, you don't like it? You don't want it? And I'm like, no, it's delicious. I'm just so full. And they're like, okay, but you haven't tried the the crumb steak yet. Like you haven't tried the crumb veal. So you have to try that because otherwise Ugo will get so upset. Like, oh, okay. For Ugo. But it's so delicious. And I just deal with it and I deal with the consequences later. Anyway. I, <laughs> I just, off topic. <laughs> I just automatically, I, I don't know how you feel about the film The House of Gucci. I haven't seen it yet. Um, so I was in the middle of nowhere when it came out and then I just, I, I've been in like half of lockdown it's, because my household contacts all got COVID at the beginning of January. So I haven't seen it yet, but I'm it's, dying to. It's it's <laughs> it's interesting because not everyone keeps a strong Italian accent, especially Jared Leto. Um, oh, really? He sounds like Mario. Okay. Like, like, you know, the the stereotype Italian right. voice. And yep. I, I played it for a friend who wasn't looking at the vision. And they were like, oh, this has got to be a send-up of it. And I was like, no, this is Jared Leto doing an Italian accent. Uh-huh. But not a very good one. Just like. Interesting. And I don't know how to feel. Okay. I'm really intrigued to listen to it because I know that I saw an interview or I read an article or something where it was like, they were criticizing um, Gaga's accent, but then I know that it's because of like where her character is from. Yeah. So then it's like not the traditional like Italian, you know, accent. It's like her character's accent because all through Italy, like there's all these different dialects and then there's all these different accents to go with the dialects. And some Italians like sound completely different to others when they speak English. Yeah. So I'm really intrigued to, to see it because I've heard so many different comments about the accents and I'm like, I wonder, I wonder if I'll be able to like tell, I don't know if they're good or not, but probably I mean, not because I only know the dialects that I know, yeah. you know? <laughs> I mean, it's, it's very interesting because, you know, you got like Al Pacino, mm. who's amazing. Um, and just, I, I spent time actually watching the original interviews with, the Gucci family, and I just the, the only one who didn't match was Jared Leto. Really? Because he just spoke like he was like "Mamma Mia," like oh, all no. that, and I was like, "No, Joe," just sitting there going, "No." Ah. 
Oh, that sounds. I'm going like... to play you a clip later. No, but that, oh, that sounds like one of those like really cheap like early 2000s yeah. like Disney movies where they have the random Italian man who's like Mamma Mia, and you're just like no. Oh. Um, but he's like half the time he's complaining about the father of the family. He's like, my father, he hit me. Oh no! And that's the entire oh, time. God. I know it's like literally like I've, anyone who's actually listening. That uh, I am so sorry. Uh, <laughs> But it's literally like the worst accent and Emily and I just suddenly started making fun of how bad that accent was throughout the entirety of the film because we were just like, this is so, we didn't even realize it was Jared Leto. We just thought someone was English and couldn't do a good accent. And they just took you out of it. Really did, yeah. God, isn't that every actor's worst nightmare? (laughs) Well, (laughs) I think Jared Leto has only done like four good films that I've ever seen. He is a very interesting, controversial actor. He does, doesn't he? Yeah. Yeah, half the time you're just like, oh my God, he's brilliant. And then the other time you're just like, really? (laughs) Yeah, I know. There's like, um, you know, if just I've seen him enough times in like Suicide Squad to just like. (sighs) I'm not going to lie. I stopped watching Suicide Squad. I'm a massive like. Marvel, DC, like all that stuff. I'll give it all a crack because I love like comic book world and everything. But I watched, I started watching Suicide Squad. And I got about 20 minutes in and I was like, I'm so bored. It's, it's, like, a, not. <laughs> David Ayer. Um, <laughs> not your fault, but man, what a boring ass Oh, film. I feel, yeah. I mean, God, I'll, I'll be swallowing my words if I work with them one day. <laughs> you know, the thing is, though, I do think I've been watching like Peacemaker and stuff you know, mm. on, on HBO. And I, I do think that DC, when it does work well, works really well. I think Peacemaker works well in that's good, good cast. I don't think always the writing is top notch. Mm. I think sometimes it's like probably a bit too far into the douchebag territory where yep. it's like constantly making fun of everything yeah i watched the first episode and then i didn't watch the next one i am about it does get better okay. but like um yeah the 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 first episode is, whew, um, yeah yeah because like, i saw what they were doing and i did have a few moments where i laughed but for me it's always like so interesting because i used to watch everything like i used to yeah. make it my like my mission to watch everything like the good the bad the horrific like everything because I just wanted to know why something didn't work or why something did work you know like what why is goodwill hunting so incredible you know and then why was this film that everyone thought was going to be amazing so shit you know so I always really like I loved watching everything and then now I don't have enough time (laughs) I mean it's also like um I I still watch like Marvel stuff um and no one can tell me otherwise (laughs) Um, I know it's terrible in parts um but yeah it's also like it's so interesting to look back and people to tell me and like, uh, you know, and fandoms like this where they're like, oh, it was so well planned out from the beginning. I'm like, no, it wasn't. They literally were fucking making it up half the time. <laughs> they were literally. They got sh- halfway through and they're like, oh, shit, this section works from that. Co- let's put that in. Yeah. Like, let's go. <laughs> let's move along. Yeah. Um, so they got all excited. And I just think it's the same with like DC now where they've just gone, oh, okay, this works for this. So mm. let James Gunn do his thing. And then the same with, um, James Wan like they're just like he did well with Aquaman so let him do well with Aquaman too it's there's no real like I'm all for this and I'm all for seeing the flash which looks better but it's like they did that with Zack Snyder and that didn't always work yeah and I I don't think Zack Snyder's a good director I never have I have (laughs) never thought he's a good director for the record so everyone um, knows (laughs) but it's just he is a visual artist that Mm. is all he's very good at the visuals yeah but none of the story elements and the story beats 
and that is a lot of lacking and he really he is basically at heart a comic book nerd yeah but that comic books don't always translate yeah to the comic pace. book nerd doesn't mean good director no. <laughs> and they do you don't... think that there's like this really interesting thing that's happening right now i mean it's probably been happening forever but maybe i'm only just noticing it <laughs> <laughs> which is like yeah but a lot of like this kind of just full-on stretching out every square inch of the comic book world, like for DC and for Marvel, they're just like finding every single character. And I'm not opposed to it, but I also am realizing and like noticing that so many incredible films that, uh, you know, I was watching when I was in high school and growing up and stuff that were like small indie films that had cinema releases. Yeah. Now aren't getting that because cinemas are only making way for blockbusters. 100%. People yeah. are only interested in blockbusters. I had someone who's in the industry in Hollywood tell me that. Movies that are going to get distributed these days, especially on like, you know, streaming channels, they want something where someone can scroll through TikTok and watch it at the same time. Yeah. And for me, I was like, I totally get that because I'm guilty of that. I don't have TikTok, but I will like scroll through Instagram while I watch a movie if it's like just to kind of, you know, put it on the background thing. But the filmmaker in me is like, oh God, that's so depressing. Like what, I, I, what happened to like... You know, it being an experience and there's this like indie film that's just incredible and then now it's in cinemas and people are going to like flock to go see it. And Yeah. I mean, is this is this a new thing or has this always been happening and then I just I, didn't notice because I was like <laughs> too insular in my obsession with the cool indie films? I, I think it's always been happening. Mm. I think it's not just because of COVID. I think it's always been the way, unfortunately, since streaming happened. And it is a shame because I love independent films. Yeah. Like some of the biggest franchises now came from independent exactly, films. Exactly, yeah. Like um, some of my favorite horror films came from, you know, indie films. Like yeah. the fact that John Carpenter started his career with Halloween on a shoestring budget, mm. which now is a major franchise. But I also think that that is the way. Like it's just um originality isn't as interesting to people because they're not seeking it do you also think it's maybe a thing i've i've kind of been thinking about this a lot especially since the pandemic started is like people want something that they can just put on to forget the world yeah and they just want to watch something that's happy and fun and will make them laugh but they don't have to pay too much attention because they don't they don't have it in them like they don't have the energy to go and watch a masterpiece because it's too hard, you know? I look, is it just me? <laughs> I don't think it's just you. I also write like a I'm clinically depressed. <laughs> <laughs> it's very philosophical and, yep. and always about some sort of level of existential crisis. Um, That's where all the good stuff is. It, it really is. Yeah. But, you know, so, I absolutely agree with you. I think... I don't know what the pandemic has turned me into. <laughs> um, I love it though. Yeah. Um, yeah. I really think that I think as people, we're very determined to discover or, mm. um, or find something unique. But I do think that a lot of people are seeking escapism yeah. and they're, like, they're seeking fun things. And I think that these art films appeal to us now. Yeah. We are the nerds that love it. Um, we will keep them going. <laughs> yeah, we will keep them going. But I just like, honestly, the amount of times I love putting on an independent film is so often, and it just has this deep existential crisis to it all. Yeah. Um, or some sort of uplifting, you know. But a, a lot of them are brought in by star power now. Totally. But, and there's less, 
I think that the most annoying thing is the other side of the foot where we don't see enough independent artists like you know getting into the mainstream where they are regularly appearing and they are you know it's like that fine line of we put everything on a pedestal to the next job to the next job to the next job yeah where do we want to end up and I now say to everyone, I was like, I don't want to end up on a Marvel film. That sounds fucking stressful. Um, I don't want to end up on a DC film because apparently the hierarchy is kind of shit. Like, I just <laughs> don't want to be there unless I'm on the top line. Yeah. Because if you're on, if you're in the underdog section, it sounds like a fucking nightmare. Yeah, right. And that's that's from everything I hear. Yeah. And then that is basically because you know everyone goes, oh, but I got there and stuff. But it sounds like. When you do sometimes get there, it's not always glamour as well. Like definitely not. You, you know, yeah. Um. Uh. Oh. Um. The guy who played Chang Shi, I can't. Oh remember. yes. He wrote. Love like, him. He, he's great. Oh. Um. Uh. I can't remember his name. Uh, Simo Lu, I think, is his name. Um. Correct me if I'm wrong. I'm so <laughs> sorry if it is wrong. Um. But yeah, I love him. He's great. And yeah, all his twitters are about how much he disliked um, these issues with Marvel when they were trying to under, like, well, Disney more so than Marvel, but Disney were trying to undersell and just be like, it's an experimental film. And it's like, Mm. it's a massive... I think that that's because people are still afraid of putting out content that they don't know whether or not it will sell. Like, I'm just absolutely loving this thing that's happening with Disney right now with that new movie that came out. Um, What's it called? It's... uh, and and Encanto, 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 yes, Encanto, and the muscle character, yes. the female, is selling way more merchandise than the pretty character, and they were like almost going to write her out of the script because they didn't think that little girls would want to watch a muscular woman singing about her problems, and like obviously little girls fucking love it, and like everyone loves it, and it's like all the merchandise is selling, and they're all connecting with her character so much. But, like, they were so scared. Yeah. And I think that's one of the things that's so, like, the biggest issue with the film industry as a whole is because the entire world is, like, moving forward. Like, this pandemic has pushed everything forward. Everything's coming out. People are addressing everything. Yeah. And the film industry is, like, half, half-heartedly, half like, dipping a toe in. Because <laughs> they're like, like yeah, you know, we, we want to we do that. But will it sell? <laughs> I know. It's... Uh- <laughs> Which I, I totally understand. New stuff is sometimes scary. But I mean, like, it, it's like that thing of, you know, until 10 years ago, the idea of women talking about sex was a taboo. Yeah, totally. Like, it really wasn't a thing that people could do. Yeah. Um, and nowadays, it, I still meet fucking people who just go, women can't play sport as well as men. Yeah. And it's like, I, uh, huh? Like... Oh, it's just, you know, and they'll go a f- all female sports team is a lesbian team, and it's like, sure, all of them are clearly queer. I like- honestly just like revel in when I mean I haven't met people like that in a while, but when I do <laughs> meet people like that, and I just kind of sit there and just I can't decide whether or not I'm gonna like <laughs> have a little fight or just kind of let them be. Uh, <laughs> you know, like I'm just like, oh, do I want to make this my problem? <laughs> I just also really think that people don't that pe- a lot of people aren't comfortable with their sexuality. Yeah. A lot of people it's the truth be told. We are we are of the generation which are a lot more aware mm. and hyper aware of our sexuality. Yeah. And if you go to someone, hey, like even if I wrote on <laughs> hey. hey even if I wrote on Facebook Hey, I'm by man. Would there be a field date with half the male texts that I work with going? Really? 
You know what? It's so funny because I'm I'm still like I'm so surprised by that, and at the same time, I'm just like, yeah, which sounds about right. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> like it's like There's a, a half, half thing in my brain every time, and I really think it just depends on like you know what circles you're going in because half the time people are like, fuck yeah, dude, that's awesome. Anyway, back to what we were talking about because it's just like that's life now, and then the other half like what you said. Oh wow. Bye. Wow. That's, oh, that's <laughs> Yep. Okay. Okay. Um, let me process that. It's going to be a couple of days and I'll get back to you. I'm just going to write a formal email. And, uh... <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 Exactly. It's really, no, you're right. It is really interesting how everything is like evolving and how, I mean, I think some TV shows are just like tackling it head on and which is fantastic. And that's another thing that I like kind of do with Flawson, but also kind of don't do with the web series that I, yeah. I did. Where I, when I was writing it, I was like, I don't want to get too heavy into this for the first, like, series. But, like, second series, if it happens, I would love to kind of explore it more. Yeah. Because it's very, I don't want to say flippant (laughs) in the first series, but it's very, like, the lead is just all over the shop. Yeah. And we never know the sexuality of of the other lead. And I I intended for it to be that way. Because half the time I'm like... It doesn't matter. No. And then the other half of the time, like people really make it their business, but the other half of the time I'm just like, fuck yeah, talk about it if you want to. But if you don't, then don't, you know? I just, I love that approach though. And, and it just, I like, I, I love your approach to how making stuff, which is just like, it's because it's so genuine of just like, who the fuck cares? <laughs> it's what I love. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, honestly, that's when I started actually making shit that I cared about. Yeah. Because I was like, when I was writing it, I was like, I had to consistently remind myself to A, write it as if it was never going to be made because then I stopped censoring myself yeah. as like a person and as an actor and someone who was afraid to put my thoughts and views out there into these characters. But B, like make it like write it as if no one was ever going to see it anyway. Like no one was ever even going to read it. Yeah. And then because I did that, it was so open and free and then I just dealt with, like, as a producer going, oh, fuck, I wrote this in. <laughs> now I've got to figure out how to film it. And then as an actor, like, oh, fuck, I wrote this in. Now I've got to get half naked. <laughs> like, fuck. <laughs> I did this to myself. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but, like, yeah. Yeah. That's I've found much more freedom in it when I've realized that I really don't care. Yeah. I mean, like, honestly, that is the way because I feel like when we censor ourselves and the bullshit of, like this facade mm. um there's so many people just going well you can't be like this and um isn't that so funny because it's like we're all just human beings trying to figure it out like why can't we be a certain way i know but i think it's also like people you know it's a generational thing and i think people like when they were told they couldn't do something when they were younger they object and like mm. they just went oh yep okay yeah cool, they done. were like i won't yep. do it yeah it's yeah. all projecting and i think you know that doesn't happen quite nearly you know, as much in our generation, but it could, it it could. I mean, I definitely know that I had to unlearn a lot of stuff that was like put on me. Yeah. And I mean, you probably, I feel like we all did a lot of shit that's put on you from older generations who like what you just said, like people said, this is right, this is wrong. And they went, okay. Whereas our generation and like generation below us is definitely like, is it though? I believe it or not, I cried for the first time. In over five years last year. Wow. And that is, that was I because. I do believe of, that. Because it was so ingrained. And, and no, you know, like I don't blame my dad or anything like that, but um, I definitely think because it was ingrained in him, it did yeah. project. And then it just suddenly projected into me. And it, and it, 
took me a while to kind of break through that. Yeah. Um, no, I totally believe that. I used to have a point of, you know, and a lot of my friends will like back me up on this is that I'm like the strong one. Um, and so I, for some reason thought that that meant that like, I should never cry in movies. Like if you could see my face right now, I'm making a what the fuck face. Yeah. I'm I, sorry. I'm If I didn't say anything, <laughs> it was really because I was processing what the fuck. Yeah. Uh, like I would watch movies and like my friends would all be crying and half of it was because, and I hate saying this right now, but like it needs to be said because it's a learning curve, but I didn't want to be that girl who cries in movies, which mm. now I'm just like, fuck that. All the emotions I'm going to like happy cry sad cry all the crying everything out there for everyone to see i don't give a shit but like it was this thing ingrained in me that i had to be strong i was the strong one and i wasn't going to be girly and cry which that's bullshit crying's awesome it's really good for your nervous system um and And your tear ducts yeah Uh, and i had to unlearn all of that yeah and like i mean it sounds like you did too where you had to unlearn this thing of like no 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 this is right and this is wrong for you and your gender yeah and like i didn't want to be you know, like as an actor, it's like that constant fear of, I don't want to be the same as anyone. I want to be a unique little unicorn. And so, <laughs> <laughs> like, I didn't want to Have you be... been looking at my poster wall? Uh... <laughs> my vision board? Um, but like, I didn't want to be like everyone else. So I was like, well, I'm going to be, I'm not going to cry. What the fuck is that? I know. That's like. It's weird. It's like. It's, it's, uh, it's like the thing of um that whole mentality when you're younger, which is like boys should be the one who ask yeah do the asking really i know it's, i always it, enjoyed breaking out of that yeah it was my favorite thing to do but again i think that was a little bit of a, like a i preferred the shock factor of it oh uh, it's it's quite a like i uh, like definitely all my relationships were not started by me <laughs> <laughs> majority of them weren't um and i think yeah kudos to all the people who have dated me <laughs> but it does it does feel like you know for me yeah breaking that mold you know, I'd be in the same situation as you is, yeah, it's just society tells you to be one way and your brain just goes, oh, how do I inch away? Mm. Like, how do I escape that? Yeah. That's, you know, that structure. You either go, yes, I'm going to be that way because I want to fit in. Or you go, I'm going to go so far away from that. No one can tell me what to do. But then in doing that, like I know for me, I was told to be a certain way. And so then I just backpedaled. And I went the complete opposite way, but then I wasn't being true to myself. Mm. And like, I mean, I know in my life that made me hold back a lot of emotions, but also as an actor, I wasn't a very good actor when I was younger because I was holding back all of these emotions and not letting myself feel things because I didn't want people to perceive me in a certain way. Which, yeah, is it? Completely understandable. And I feel like everyone goes through it. But now as I've gotten older and as I've kind of, you know, gone through a ton of therapy, um, yeah, I now realize that my superpower as an actor and someone who wants to tell stories to connect with people is understanding all the emotions, the good, bad, ugly in myself and then putting that out there. I think it's also when, you know, this is the clear thing that I always say to people who haven't done therapy. You can clearly tell when people haven't. Mm. They haven't worked through things because they (laughs) do. So many guys I've like gone out a date with and I've been like, I'll see you in five years after therapy. (laughs) (laughs) But it's just like, you know, the first, first sign is, oh yeah, you know, um, well, when she left me, it's like, okay, bye. Like, (laughs) Jesus fucking Christ. All right. See ya. Um, but yeah, a lot of the time I found, you know, it took one of my close friends to actually tell me, it was like, 
had a big breakup and I had never really understood that I had trauma mm. um, fully. And then she was like, no, go and see a therapist. I think this is good. I don't think you need it necessarily for a breakup. And I kept seeing this therapist and I've seen them for like four or five years now, but it, it you know, it takes time to work through shit. Yeah. And, you know, I think, the, you know, I've been in bad relationships, been in many toxic relationships where it it, it feels the bad stuff. Yeah. Like it feels that negative emotion. So you kind of just feel yeah. on it. But then when you do come out and you kind of had good relationships and you worked on yourself and you get better, those are the people you want to keep in your life. And I've met, yeah, I, I agree with you. I've met many guys who haven't. <laughs> and they're just like, oh yeah. And I'm like, you have not changed in 10 years. Yeah. Like there is no development. There's no character development. <laughs> They just, they just, uh, one of the things I think is like the thing I look out for in anyone who I'm going to invite into my life is those people who have gotten to a certain point and they've decided that that's their comfort zone. Yeah. And they've gone, well, no, 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 I'm good like this. And this is what I believe in. And now this is, this is just how I am. And it's so crazy because I know so many incredible people who have broken through that and like gone to therapy and done the work and like become these incredible humans and just, and keep growing. And yeah. then I know people who literally just just stopped, yeah, and they just decided that that's who they are, and it like pains me because I'm one of those people who like after three or four drinks I'm like, you're incredible and you have this talent for this thing and you should go after it, and I need to stop myself because I become like this kind of drunken cheerleader. <laughs> you're like, like, you're amazing. <laughs> you're keep, keep doing that. You're a beautiful bit. Cinderella, and if you just did this, you'd be amazing. <laughs> but I need to stop myself because that's not my. That's not for me to say. No, it's and I think you can only inflate someone's ego or self confidence to a point mm. before they need to actively do something about yeah. it themselves. And I get, I get bored of people when they don't actively do something. Yeah, because it's so. Oh, it's, people who just talk about things constantly. Yeah, I'm like, I totally understand. You know, like the wonderful world of making things is like the. Nine times out of ten, they fall through. Mm. But when you do make something, it doesn't mean don't stop working on stuff. Like, yeah. don't just go, well, oh, my career's over because I couldn't make this thing that I spent the last five years making. And, you know, it's like, all right, start the next thing. Like, move on. Like, yeah. Find something new because, yeah, there's so many, um, so many people get caught up in themselves. Yeah. That they don't realize that everyone's doing the fucking same thing. Totally. And we're all in this together. But yeah, they just sort of put themselves like on this. Oh, I'm the worst at what I do, and yeah. Oh no, I'm not that good. Like I know I've written ten scripts, and <laughs> five of them have been published. But you know, I'm not that good. Yeah, um, and I know I got an Oscar, but you know, yeah, the poor me actor. Uh, yeah, totally. No, I can't stand that stuff, especially because I see so many actors who like. I mean, I actually don't luckily have many people immediately in my circle who are like that who are like poor me people but I know of people who I know like every now and then will kind of have a chat and go oh I just I want this and I want this and I want this I'm like okay fantastic y you want that and that's fucking great but yeah. also like look at everything you've achieved because I know that you five years ago wanted that or like me as an actor I see the stuff that you've done and I want that like that's incredible in saying that, though, you know, I mean, sometimes I have those moments, too, where I'm just like, fuck, shit, this this is hard. Like, yeah. this is hard. And I don't know if I want to do that thing. And then I'll wake up in the morning and be like, what the fuck was that? <laughs> of course I want to do it. It's amazing. Oh, 
<laughs> it's so true as well. And I, you know, like, I think um, the funniest story was when I first released, you know, like one of the episodes of the podcast and I literally was like, all right, it's going live and oh, put it on the internet. And it just like, oh, the internet didn't blow up. The world <laughs> didn't blow up. Huh. I'm still oh, here. <laughs> like, and you just carry on. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, you suddenly get traction, you get people interested. And, but it's so funny because, yeah, if you, there is this weird, yeah, there's this weird idea that when we go through these cycles of just going, oh, God, it's going to be the worst yeah. thing ever and everyone's going to hate it. And I have, in my life, I used to have really bad anxiety, like mm. really bad. Um, and, yeah, there was a couple of times where I was just like, I can't do it, I can't do it, I can't do it. And I had so many people just go, you can, calm down. And it's just like, no, 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 but I can't, I can't, I can't. Because <laughs> you build up in your head that it's impossible. Yeah. Like you get to this point where you're like, it's impossible without all this, like yeah. you know, no one's helping me, no one's achieving, when everyone is. Yeah. But you just kind of put yourself on this. Like, you just get too in your head. Yeah, you get so in your head. Yeah, and you're like, oh. totally. Um, have you gotten to those stages a lot? I mean, yes and no. Like I've always been, I've actually been one of those really lucky people where I do things before I think about the consequences of my actions. <laughs> so like I'll kind of just go down a path you know, like when I would, and I've always been this way. Uh, I kind of like half of me thinks about what I'm about to do, plans for it. The other half of me just jumps. Like, you know, when I, I was uh, working at the mango farms when I was like 19 and I was either going to travel through South America with my boyfriend at the time, but I had applied to go to afters. And then I got into afters and I was like, I'm going to afters. He was like, wait, what? And I was like, oh, I don't know. I just feel like that's the thing to do. And it's so funny because I'm like, wow, my life would have been so different if I didn't do that. <laughs> but I just always, I will just jump. And yeah. I think that's one of the things that I am so grateful for just about my kind of inherent personality. I did lose that a little bit though in 2019, which is why I started seeing a therapist because I stopped trusting my gut. <sighs> yeah, I know. I know. Worst thing ever as a creative. Yeah. I felt like I'd lost myself because like I just kind of, I'd come back from being over in America yeah. and being surrounded by actors and directors and casting directors. And half of it was the most incredible experience of my life. Half of it like killed a part of me. Like I okay. like a small, like innocent part of me died while I was there. <laughs> sounds about America. Yeah. Yeah, like, yeah. But sounds about right. Yeah. But when I came back, I was just like flailing and I just, I had no, nothing to like hold on to because I've always been my own rock. Yeah. And then when I lost my gut, I was like, I don't know what to hold on to right now. Like, I don't know where my compass is pointing. Like what, what do I do? And yeah. that's why I started seeing a therapist because my gut for me has always been my kind of tell. Yeah. And thankfully, I don't deal with anxiety on like a chemical level or anything. Same with depression. I don't deal with that on a chemical level. For me, it's all circumstantial. Um, That's good. It is so good. And I'm so lucky because I know so many people who deal with anxiety and depression. And it's like they just ha don't have a choice in it. Yeah. For me, thankfully, usually when I'm anxious, I'm either like, okay, my period's due in a week. Or <laughs> <laughs> I'm like oh, okay, this thing is making me anxious. I need to sit with myself. But yeah. my therapist who's like, she's a kinesiologist. She's okay. taught me like these incredible techniques as to like meditate and to sit with myself and to trust my gut and to know what my body is saying. Yeah. Because one thing that I just stopped doing was just trusting my body and like my gut and my heart when I would ask myself a question 
And it's it, you should try this sometime. It's really interesting because the fear tells you that you're wrong. But if you have something like a decision to make, you know yeah. what you're going to do. Like, yeah. you know what you're going to do. It takes people longer to get there sometimes because they don't trust their immediate intuition of like, you're going to do this. And people go, no, 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 no. It's like, you know, have you ever had a gut feeling about like someone or, or a situation? You're like, oh, no, that, that would never happen. And then it happens. Yeah. It's because your gut's always right. And then like I've, fig- I've, I've learned this technique with my kinesiologist of sitting with the decision and the first thing that comes to mind exploring that yeah. rather than just going, no, 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 that's wrong. Yeah. Exploring it and, and realizing that that's what I need to do. Yeah. Just be- because that's, it's right and it's always right. Like every decision I've made since and every time I have any issue, like, you know, we're in post-production with Flawsome and as the creator, writer, producer and actor, I'm having like so many times where I have that crossover and I don't know whether or not I'm being like a deeperish actor because I think that it needs to cut back to my face on this part to have that expression or whether or not it's my producer brain going, no, no, that needs to be cut there because we need to see that to make the other actors expression makes sense and like that would work better and also as a writer that line needs to stay in there because it relates back to this line in the fourth episode and so it all ties together (laughs) so I have like this really hard time navigating all of those different roles and making sure that I'm staying true to myself and making sure that I'm like not thinking that people are judging me because I'm the actor who wrote a show for myself (laughs) Look at my showreel. I extended it to like six episodes. Exactly, exactly. I wrote an entire show and produced it because I wanted work. It's like, (laughs) what are you going to do? But I always find now I will either talk to someone I trust. Yeah. But usually whatever I end up talking to them about is what I've just sat with in like five minutes of meditation. Like, and I'm always, I always come out of it going, yep, that was the right decision. Yeah, that's interesting as well because I mean, like, I think... People don't don't trust their gut enough and they go, oh, you know, like, no, it hasn't led me. <laughs> this won't lead me anywhere good. And it's like, why not? Yeah, um, but sometimes not good is good. Yeah. Like sometimes shit situations are what you have to go through to go to the other side of it to get to the good shit. Mm. Like if I didn't come through 2019 just like as a completely lost, hopeless person and then sought this kinesiologist out who then I had sessions with consistently and then the pandemic happened and I like I'd just gone to Melbourne I was going to live there for three months do an acting course meet up with all these casting directors directors whatever and then all of that just went to shit yeah but that's the best thing ever because I finished writing Flawsome and then Flawsome happened and then this last year I mean fuck me (laughs) this last year has been a bit of hoot uh but you know going away and working on the mango farms for three and a half months as horrific as that experience was and how like intense and horrible and oh my God, I can't believe I survived that (laughs) experience that was, I come away from it going, I feel fit, healthy, strong. I got to spend three and a half months out in the middle of nowhere, which I love in the Northern Territory. I was meeting all of these really interesting people who were outside my circle and maybe broaden my horizons. I fostered a puppy that like one of the Samoan women found down by the lake, like not the lake, the river. And like, it just, I had all these incredible experiences that even though at the time while I was in it, I was like, this is fucking shit. Then when now I'm come out of it, I still go, yeah, yeah, that was still shit. But God, I learned so much. Yeah. It's, uh, 
I, I think the pandemic um, is the best thing that ever happened to me. Yeah. Wow. I loved it. Wow. Did, wow. <laughs> Some people listening go, fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> oh, this, it's the best thing that ever uh, happened to you, isn't it? <laughs> it's like everyone's sitting at home just going, you're fucking awesome. <laughs> fucking hate you. I lost family because of you. Um, oh, like, I just took a doctor. That's it. But um, no, it was the best thing that happened to me because mm. I was so I I was at the end of a relationship that was clearly falling apart. Yeah, I ended up living on my own, um, which was wow. the first time I did that. Um, like during lockdown. Um, yeah. So the beginning of January 2020, I moved out on my own. My best friend at the time and I had a falling out. We decided to go separate ways. And then I moved. Just hearing this, I want to give you a big hug. Uh, Please do. (laughs) Um, And then I stayed. I stayed um, on my own for two years and now just moved here. Um, But yeah, throughout that first year, it was just like I had about four months entirely just with myself and work. And it was my day job. Came home, ate dinner, went to bed. Like it was my routine. And the only entertainment I had was a gaming group that I um, knew through my old work. And we kept gaming every like every Friday and it was the only thing that kind of kept me sane other than writing mm. and, and jotting notes down and um, then formulating this podcast. Like it was just because I got to a point where I was like, okay, well let's work through my trauma. Let's work yeah. through my therapy and let's, let's actually progress. And I had no distractions. I had nothing to distract me from myself. Yeah. So suddenly I was stuck with me. Yeah. And it was the best thing ever. Isn't it? And it's um, like terrifying to begin with. And yeah. then all of a sudden you're like, oh, this is fun. <laughs> yeah. And I realized how much of an awful human being I am. <laughs> okay. Um, no. And like, are we embracing that? Yes. <laughs> no, I'm just I'm just very like um, sadistic in a lot of different ways. <laughs> Take that how you will. <laughs> but like, Let it, your imaginations run wild. <laughs> Um, but it's always kind of fun because like, I just, I was like, okay, no one, um, I'm, I know I'm very good at these things, mm. which I think was one of those things that took a while to understand. Cause I didn't have anyone else telling me those things. Yeah. Cause I was definitely on and had me telling me these things. And suddenly it was all these things and just going, I'm really good at this. Oh, I'm also really good at this. And so building upon building upon building upon that. And then suddenly just reaching out to people and going, Hey, do you want to collaborate on something? Yeah. Hey, do you want to do this? And um and you know like success happens you have to kind of make success or you have to make your own career and I think that's very interesting because a lot of people just think that you know throwing money at a screen will suddenly mean you have a career it doesn't necessarily it it means just hard work being nice and also being you know knowing you're good yeah like knowing your worth totally um that is a lot of the time some people's words are not really that good well isn't it so interesting like i i've had a few situations lately where i've encountered really really confident people who aren't very good at what they do yeah and i find it really so interesting because it's kind of like we've gone the opposite direction everyone's like this whole self-love movement which i'm all for and at the same time i'm like know your stuff and be confident in your stuff when you know you're good at it but don't go in with like an overconfidence, then get into the situation and go, oh, fuck, I have no idea what I'm doing. No. Like, because so, for example, when I first started doing mural art, like mural jobs, mural artworks in corporate offices and things, mm. I was charging like shit all because I kind of didn't know what I was doing. Yeah. I was like, yeah, I know that this paint won't come off the wall. So that's good. But like, f- like I, I, I didn't, you know, have a projector. I just freehanded everything. The designs yeah. sometimes didn't turn out how they did when I like sent it through for their approval. 
And thankfully that never got me into trouble because a lot of the people I worked with were like, oh, I even like this better than what you did in the original design. I'm like, oh, thank fuck. But <laughs> like then I got better and better and better and now I know my shit. Yeah. Same thing with acting. Like, you know, when I was younger, I would kind of go in and I'd just do the best I could. I was open to learning. I was like really, you know, whatever anyone can teach me, whatever nuggets I can give, just do my best that I can. And then as I've gotten older and as I've gotten more jobs and as I've gotten more feedback and like we were saying before, like with my gut and knowing that I'm good at certain things, I'll go in with that confidence. Yeah. And then on the flip side, if there's something I'm unsure of, I'll be confident in being unsure about it. Yeah. I think that's the other thing, like being open with people and kind of going, yeah, fuck yeah, I reckon I can do this job. But just so you know, like this part, not too sure. Set those boundaries, (laughs) you know, like set those boundaries, set those expectations Because I think having confidence in like not being super, super sure about what you're doing is also a good thing because then people go, great, open to learning. Let's like, let's tackle this. I 100% agree. And it's like one of the things that are constant. (laughs) That sounded like a massive (laughs) fart. Uh, (laughs) um, No, 100% agree because I feel like it's the same when I ever do anything and I'm you know like directing is one of those things that I've done a few times and every time I think god do I actually know what I'm doing and (laughs) I feel like that's every creator before every job yeah yeah. do I actually know what the fuck I'm doing yeah and then you do it and you're like oh yeah that wasn't actually that bad yeah um but every time like the one the one job I know I'm really good at which is editing um and I've I've done it since I was a kid, basically. Mm. It's just one of those things that I love sitting in front and going, yeah, that's good and that's good. But I, I just cannot stand when I'm sent stuff that you just go, why was this shot the way it was? Oh, yes. And you just go, this has no coverage. This has no understanding. And I love, um, but I've sat down with so many different directors and stuff now and I've just gone, you know what? Sometimes it's better to bite your tongue, mm. show them what they want to see. Then they go back and go, oh, no, change it to what you think might work. And then you do that. Yeah. Um, because realistically, the director will want to see what they want to see yeah. and then move on. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's very like, I think a lot of the time, you know, the faith of when you're an editor is, you know, you are this like in control of this baby. Yeah. That people go, <laughs> totally. Um, yeah. And I just, I love it, but I also completely understand on the other side of the foot why people might be like, oh God, are you going to fuck with me and uh, turn my thing into a load of shit? <laughs> I mean, I guess there's that trust, isn't it? But I also know like I love editors because I feel like, you know, they hold the key to the kingdom in terms of creating, you know, facilitating all of the hard work of everyone on the production and then making it come to life. Yeah. Like when they do it properly, when editors like nail that, oh God, they nail it. And it's so good. I have so much respect for editors. And again, like another thing that I think is just a personality trait is I'm, I am why I keep telling myself to trust myself and my judgment throughout Flawsome because it's been a very interesting learning experience for me. Yeah. But I'm not too precious about stuff which I think is another reason why I'm not too keen on directing, <laughs> like why I you know, gave this this to the wonderful Claudia Pickering because like literally there's been two things that we haven't agreed on in this entire shoot. Everything else I've been like, oh, I saw it like this way when I was writing. She goes, cool, I'm going to do this. I was like, fuck yeah, that sounds great. There you go, like go for it. Because I just, I, I want to I wanna have around me and I think this is so important, people that I trust, yeah. trust their vision and most of the time I trust them as a person too. I feel like those two come hand in hand. And like with editors and all that kind of stuff, I just give it to them. I go, just send, I, I trust you, send me something and I will know if I don't like it. Yeah. 
on the flip side, I want to see what you come up with. Collaboration yeah. is, you know, creative fantasticness. How good is collaboration? It's like 101, oh. just the best thing in the world. It makes me so happy. That's, I think, why I loved being a producer because mm. I love, like, finding, you know, something and having a director's come to me with their ideas and me going, fuck yeah, I can make that happen. Also, have you thought about adding this in, but taking that out? Cause that doesn't work, you know, <laughs> like facilitating and collaborating. Yeah. It's, oh, and then it's they're so just fun. like, oh, <laughs> okay. Totally. Um, it's, it's always my favorite thing of like talking to other directors and going, oh, so would you have done it that way? And they go, no, I would have done it this way. And you're like, mm. okay, cool. Or they just go, I like your decisions. Wouldn't it have been what I would have done, but I like your decisions. See, like, it's so funny. It's, it's, directing is so objective to how you yeah. see a scene. So personal to yeah, you, I is. feel. Like um, I see some directors work and I'm just like, that's why I'm not a director because I see what they do and like the vision that they have. And I'm like, that's fucking brilliant. And I don't have that most of the time like i'll have a vision but i want i want them to do that work yeah and then kind of i'll i'll you know and, the, and facilitate think, yeah and I, and I think i have um like i have very clear vision on some things and mm. i have very um limited vision on other things and that um what do you have limited vision on oh, uh, <laughs> generally stuff that i like sometimes i've written then i'm like mm. ah maybe could do with a second pair of eyes and totally. someone else taking control. I personally don't love always directing stuff I've written. Oh yeah. Because it kind of just I feel it, like a lot of directors are like that. Yeah. Like I think that's why Claudia, when I sent her the original script for Flawsome, and she was just like, this is fucking great, but I feel like we need to change these things. But like, fuck yeah, I'll do it because how often does a writer send a script to a director or a writer actor send a script to a director i feel like a lot of the times it's like the director who's writing a script so they have something to make yeah you know which i mean fair enough but (laughs) i have so many director friends who are like i just want scripts (laughs) i yeah i i constantly love writing um mostly because then i can direct stuff (laughs) (laughs) yeah um but also just like yeah directing is so much fun it's it's very interesting I have been approached many times by people, um, friends and stuff to be like, oh, do you want to help write something or, you know, Mm. because I think um, in particular, the way I write and the way I direct is very um, frenetic Mm. and very unique. Um, It's kind of like my two favorite directors um, styles would be like, um, actually three, I put David Fincher in there um, because I just think that uh, his use of like tonal colors and very um is very interesting but also just like weird ethereal music yeah um but Edgar Wright is another like editing like whiz I was gonna say as like as an editor you'd be like one of my favorite directors because when I studied film and then going into like film and tv and all that stuff as an actor that stuff's always in the back of my mind yeah and I can always tell when a director has edited something before or same as if an actor is like conscious of blocking and things like that, because I'm just like, we all need to work together here. Mm. There's no one person who's the be all and end all. So everyone kind of needs to have a good understanding of what everyone else is doing. And so as a editor, I feel like you as a director would be so conscious about how it's all going to fit in together in the edit. Do you find that then you're like pre-programming these things and like sticking to it or do you often change? I have uh, generally, if it comes down to a start shot or an end shot, I'm very particular. Mm. I have distinct 
I know where it needs to end and I know where it needs to begin. The middle can always kind of be a bit like it depends on blocking. Yeah. Because I'm like, oh, if it's a conversation, then it can kind of depend where the actor is going to be and what they're going to do and, and just kind of like the movement that the scene requires. Because I think when you have a lot of heads in one scene, it's good to really play around with the scene and then block that out see where everyone kind of moves to and then work out your shots through that and mm. just go, okay, cool. I can imagine they're talking over there, so I'll use a wide shot on this or a close-up over there and then sort of like establish this from maybe like a sweep down low angle, you know, yeah. like whatever you want to kind of get into. And I think also then it automatically knows, I know when to cut because yeah. I'm like, okay, cut there because I'm not going to use anything. And they go, oh, no, what about safety? I'm like, I'm not going to cut past there. Yeah. Like, why? Oh, see, I love that. And that's a producer's dream, isn't it? Yeah. Like, <laughs> a director who just knows. And I'm like, yeah, half the time I'm all for safety, but the other half the time I'm just like, no, the actor's just given you so much. Everyone on this set has just given you so much to make the scene work, and it's beautiful. Do we need a safety? Or, like, I mean, sometimes, yeah, let's do it for fun. Other times, no, we're f- we're, we all want to go home. <laughs> yeah. Like, we've, we've been here for 10 hours now. Let's go home. Yeah. You know, um, all the actors, like, fucking freezing. Let's go home. <laughs> yeah, and I just, I think that's why I love directing and writing and especially just, I'm always about pacing. Mm. And um, Classic editor. <laughs> uh, it's, it's, it's because people, you know, like, listen to fucking music. Listen yeah. to instrumental music because it's that slow... Like always imagine like a rhythm to everything yeah. and then just sort of like a tick in the back of your head and go, okay, well, there's three beats till they need to say that line and then there's another three beats until they respond. And yeah. like just timing is everything. It's so everything. And then, you know, like it makes everything and it can sometimes save performances. Totally. Like, you know, because an actor might be thinking like, oh God, that was a shit performance they gave you that day. And you show them the edit and they go, actually, that was really good. Like, Never mind me and what headspace I was in. Like, that's yeah, good. Um, because exactly. you managed to pull out what they've done. Yeah. Um, yeah, and give like that that moment where they needed a bit more breath or a bit more pause to make yeah. it dramatic. You can put that in. That's why I have so much respect for editors because I'm just like, oh, fucking geniuses. Like, I, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> fucking genius, mate. Oh, thank you. <laughs> but like, I honestly, I just, I see every different part of the process and I was saying to someone about, about Flawsome mm. and about so many other things I've done. You can see when a set is working harmoniously together yeah. and then when things come together in post as well, you can see it all happening because that's when you get immersed in what you're watching. Yeah. It's all come together so seamlessly and everything seems like it's supposed to be there. Yeah. When it's not like that, that's when you get pulled out and that's when you have the random naked chick where you're like, that wasn't, what, why? <laughs> and you're like, oh. Yeah. Right. What okay. happened here? What time is it? <laughs> <laughs> That's you in the cinema just going, huh? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yep. Um, I will say this, Rachel. Thank you so much for coming on. It's Thank been, you so much for having me. It's been an absolute pleasure. I've loved every second of this. It's been such a good yarn. <laughs> I love it. Um, where can people stalk you? Where can they find Flawsome? Where can they find all these things? All the things. So, uh, I have two websites. Um, okay. <laughs> if you type in rachelgiddens.net, that's my acting website. rachelgiddensartist.com is all of my artwork. Um, my Instagram is probably the best place to go for both of those things. Flawsome has not been released yet. We're still in post-production. We were put into like major delays throughout uh, the Sydney lockdown because we still had stuff to film. And then obviously we found a way around that. But that all took a while. And then I went into Whoop Whoop for three months to work on mango farms and help my mum out throughout mm. the season. So, again, 
everything just got put into delay. But it will be coming out this year. We are striving to get the first three episodes done by the end of March. Uh, and then when that happens, again, my Instagram will probably be the best place to to go to for that. Yeah. Uh, it's at Rachel Giddens official because <laughs> I'm a very official person. Or uh, follow Flawsom, Flawsom underscore the series on Instagram. It's um, my show and I'm very, very proud of it and everyone who's worked on it. And it's yeah, been the most incredible, amazing experience. But that's that's kind of my, my pride and joy that's going to be coming out soon. And yeah, we're just, we're putting the finishing touches on things and, and getting the ball rolling again after the year that was 2021. It, it dumbfounds me that we filmed that show before the Sydney lockdown. Yeah. <laughs> like. That's fucked. Amazing that we did that. That's impressive. I'm <sighs> I, like, I have so many kudos and. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Like, Thank you. Fuck. I'll take it. <laughs> yeah. Cause that is a feet and a half that lockdown. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was a thing. But thank you so much for having me. This has been so much fun. Thank you. I've no, loved it. I've loved it too. It's actually really nice. <laughs> um, and thank you for also coming. Like you're the first guest in the the second location I've ever recorded. I feel so privileged. Um, so, and we're filming. It, well, we're recording in a very hot room. So I ain't gonna go and turn some mic on. on. Um, <laughs> but no, thank you for joining me. If you want to go and listen to more episodes, you can check them out on Apple and Spotify. I'll be speaking with another guest next week, and I'll speak to you all later. Goodbye.